Uh, my ex-husband and I met 10 years ago. We met in a gym. Uh, he was there to work out, but I was there to tan, but we ended up r running into each other. And um, he really seemed to have some of the, um, just seemed kind of the strength and security that I would be looking for in a man that he would have. My ex-husband was an MMA fighter, so between just the supplements he would take for fighting and the drinking with his medications, he was just very unstable, just frightening all the time. I'm just kind of living in constant, constant fear. I went to small group one night and I started feeling this weight just all around me and I just couldn't breathe, I couldn't think, I couldn't do anything but um, cry. I just started crying and could not stop. Things were always up in the air, but that night it just seemed a little darker and a little bit scarier. Um, and just how I was completely afraid to go home and I knew I had to get out of the house immediately. Whenever I went home that night, I told him I was gonna be leaving the next day and it was the angriest I'd ever seen him in my life. It was the first time that I told him to stop and not come near me or I would call the police. And I went upstairs, I got my kids out of their beds and put him in the bedroom and locked the bedroom door and just waited for morning. And I didn't know it at the time, but I found out um, months later that girls from small group had been driving past my house all night just to make sure that I was safe and make sure that everything was going okay. And the next day they showed up, the whole small group just came around me and got me moved out. And we moved two days before Christmas and they got everything unpacked. They didn't leave until 8.30 that night and when every picture was hung on the wall, every box was unpacked, and then they decorated my entire house for Christmas and brought me a Christmas tree. It was amazing. When I moved out, um, I needed so much support, um, and there really just isn't any for women, for single mothers trying to get back on their feet. So God put it on my heart to start a single mom's ministry, and the best way that I saw to get it started was through starting single mom small groups. Before this whole process, I saw Jesus as this faraway God who had all these big things going on, and um, I could see how he would do big things for other people, but never really thought that I mattered. But God put the people in my life through serving here at Hope, through the relationships that I had built through small group. And God's just so amazing. It's so amazing how into the details he is. And sometimes I think he just does it to show off. Um, I don't need some of the things that he's given me, um, but he's done it just to show me like, you know, I actually care about you, that you're relevant to me. Sorry, Bethany's story is, is an incredibly powerful, powerful story because we all face storms in our lives. And some of us, when we hear a story like that, the, the emotions are, are raw because we connect. It's something that is, is too familiar for too many of us. But even if we haven't been through something exactly like what Bethany has gone through, we can connect because we connect to the emotion of fear. We know what it's like to be afraid. We know what that feeling is. We know how the, the feeling, the emotion, we connect to isolation, right? We, we connect to the, the, the feeling of loneliness, of not having anyone around us. Bethany described in her story, and, and she said at one point that she was just waiting for morning. You know, there's a lot of time in our lives where we're in that same place where we're just waiting for morning. We're waiting for something in our lives to change. And maybe it's something at work. Maybe we're waiting for a promotion. Maybe we're waiting for a, a, a change to happen in those that are over us. Uh, sometimes for some of us, maybe it's at school. We're, we're waiting for a, a grade to come back. We're waiting maybe for a, a new semester and, and just a chance to start over. For some of us, it's, it's with regard to our finances. 
We're waiting for that raise to come. For some of us, we're just waiting for that job to finally be there, right? We're just waiting for mourning. We're waiting for something to change. Maybe it's in, in regards to our health. And we're waiting for that report to come back from the doctor. We're waiting for that procedure or that medication to finally start working. We're just waiting for mourning. We're just waiting and desperate for something in our lives to change. Maybe it's in regards to relationships. Just waiting for him to finally commit to what he said he was going to commit to. I'm just waiting for her to finally work through the changes that she said she was going to change. You see, we all go through storms in our lives. And I think there's five things that as, as human beings, every single one of us longs for these things, needs these things, five things that are essential to our lives. And here's how I came up with these five. I, I polled some people um, and asked them, what are the most important things that people need? I, actually, I didn't poll anybody. I just asked my wife because she's really smart. Um, she married me, and so I figured that qualified her um, right there. And so, um, but statistics would tell us, right, that like 97% of people need these five things. Statistics also tell us that about 73% of statistics are made up on the spot. So, um, but these are five things that I honestly believe that every single one of us needs as human beings. Here they are. The first one is love. Every single one of us needs love, right? We want to love and we need to be loved. We don't need to talk about that one anymore. We don't need to explain that. We know that's true. The second one is significance. Every single one of us wants worth, right? We want to be valued. We want to be respected for who we are. We want love. We want significance. The third one is recognition. We want to be praised, right? Every single one of us wants approval. We all want to be accepted. For over 20 years, I, I worked with students, and, and things change constantly in student ministry. The way that they dress changes, and the music that they listen to changes. The way that they talk constantly changes. But over those 20 years, one thing that never changed was the desire to be accepted by other people. But it's not just students, is it? It's every single one of us. We have that desire. We need love. We need significance. We need recognition. The fourth one is that we all have a desire to be supported. We all want to be cared for. We all want encouragement in our lives. None of us want to go through things alone. And then the fifth one is that we want to make a contribution. We want to invest in something. We want to make an impact. We want to know that at the end of our lives that we have made a difference that our life mattered, that what we did and who we are, that it impacted the people around us. Now, here's the reality, is of those five things, we all need them. Now, maybe we don't all need them in the same amounts, kind of like sleep or, or water or something like that. Some of us can go for longer times without those things, but we need all five of those things in our lives. And sometimes what we do is we try to find them in all kinds of different ways. We try to find it maybe at work. And, and I love my job. Right? And, and I find significance in, in what I do. Right? And, and, and I, I get the recognition based on, on my performance and, and what I've done. I get recognition from my employers or, or from the people, my clients that are around me. I feel supported by my team. And I know that I'm making a contribution. And that's great. But I've never heard in anyone on their deathbed, I've never ever heard anyone say, man, I really wish I'd put more hours in at work. Right? In fact, I got a few more emails that I'd love to send out right now before I take this last breath. If someone could just grab me a laptop, I just want to shoot those out. That never happens. Maybe we try to find it in, in money, right? We all love to have it. We know that when we have it, we feel significant. We can buy recognition because the things that we purchase, people will look at and notice and go, wow, 
Look at that, right? We can buy support in our lives. We can have an entourage that will come around us, and, and we know that that provides us opportunities to contribute to things that maybe others don't have an opportunity to contribute to. But the Beatles said, you can't buy me love, right? We know that in the end, we go after all of these things, and they maybe feel good in the moment, but they're temporary things. They're things that don't last. And what we know is true for every single one of us is that these five things are really only met consistently in one thing, and that is in relationships with other people. But here's the struggle. The struggle is where do we find those people? Right? Where do we find those people that are going to provide all of those things in my life? And, and sometimes we start usually with our family, right? And, and maybe if you've got an incredible family, maybe you find all five of those in your family. Maybe you at least get four of the five and, and you feel like, you know what, we're, we're close enough. But in all of those years of working with students and working with parents and, and working with grandparents and, and, and in the dynamic of family, here's what I've, I've noticed just in watching over the years is that most of us, we don't get all five of those things met through our families, do we? Which means we need to, to supplement, which means we need to have other people come into our lives that are gonna help fulfill those five needs that we all have. You see, what if Bethany was alone when she went through what she went through? What if she didn't have a small group of people that, that cared for her? What if she didn't have those people in her life that showed up to help her when she desperately needed help? What if she didn't have that love from a group of others coming alongside of her? What if she didn't have those people in her life that were willing to drive by her house every hour throughout the night, praying for her and making sure that she and her kids were okay? What if the people in her life were, were people that, that, that just said, hey, I, I hope things get better? I'm glad that's not all it was. It was a small group of people that loved her, that showed up with boxes the next morning, that packed her and her family up and got her moved into her new place, and then set up Christmas decorations so that it felt like home. You see, many of us connect with, with, um, with Bethany's statement. And sometimes God, and this is what she said, seems far away with big things to focus on. He does things for others, but I never thought that I mattered. See, some of us are in storms right now, and we can connect to those feelings and those emotions. And if you're not in a storm right now, you will be. Like, wow, Donnie, this is encouraging. <laughs> this is fantastic, right? Maybe we should call this Unhope Community Church, because right now I, I, I'm not seeing it, right? I'm not feeling the love. But the reality is, is that storms are going to happen in our lives. The question that every single one of us faces is this. When those storms happen in our lives, do you want to face them and deal with them alone? Or do you want to face them and deal with them with a group of people surrounding you that love you and care for you, no matter what's going on in your lives? See, we're in this series right now called Unconditional Family. And in this series, we've been talking about different characteristics and different values for us as a family together. And today what we're going to talk about is, is this value of how important it is to be intentionally connected with others. You see, we have to have these intentional connections because here's the reality, you wanna be loved. You wanna feel significant. You want to be recognized in your life. You desperately want to be supported. And you wanna contribute. You wanna impact the lives of people around you. And you know how I know that you want those things? Because I want them too, right? We all long for those things. 
I love what Bethany discovered when she said, God put people in my life. A people that she served with, and Mike talked about last weekend the importance of that and why it's such an important value for us is that we get connected and that we serve because that's a connection point where people can come into our lives. But also she discovered that she had a small group of people that cared for her and her family and came alongside of her when she was in her time of need. There's a story in the Bible that uh, shows the importance of what it means to do life together. And what can happen when we experience Jesus in that way? And so if you have your Bible, I would love for you to turn to Mark chapter 2. And uh, if you don't, that's okay. You can uh, download the app if you want. And we have a, um, a Bible app on there that you can follow along. Or you can just follow along on the screens. We're going to put it up there. And, uh, and you can follow along with us. Um, Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, he took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this love this story, right? Because we take a look at Jesus, and any time that you read about Jesus, you see that wherever Jesus is, there's always a crowd of people that gather around Jesus. And we saw that this past week when the, the Pope was here, right? We saw that, that everywhere the Pope went, there was a, a crowd of people. And, and I don't know if when Jesus came home, I, I don't know if he, was, um, if he rode in on, on the camel mobile or if he uh, tried to be environmentally friendly and downsized to a bulletproof donkey or something. I'm not sure exactly the context, but what we have here is that Jesus comes home and this massive crowd of people come around him. And we don't know exactly whose house it is. Most smart people, scholars, think that he was probably in Peter's house, one of his followers, one of his disciples. And so they're there in Peter's house, and it says that it is packed, right? It is just completely crowded. Every piece of furniture, somebody is sitting on it. It's standing room only. People are standing on the counters. I mean, they're up the stairs. They are everywhere. They've opened all the windows. They've opened all the doors, and they are deep, right, on the outside with people pressing in and leaning and listening trying to hear the things that Jesus is saying. I mean, imagine the, the chaos of this crowd. And then all of a sudden what we hear is, is that there's five guys that show up, five guys on mission. 
right? These guys aren't just taking a walk with their paralyzed friend. Uh, th this is very, very intentional. Jesus has a reputation of changing lives, and they know this, and they are determined to get to Jesus together. Now, obviously, they had some kind of relationship. We don't know the full context of it. It's not described for us. We don't know if they're friends, if they had grown up together. We don't know if they sat in biology class at Jerusalem High together. We don't know if they worked out at the same gym before, before the accident happened to the, to the paralyzed guy. We don't know if, if they've been neighbors and they've been mowing his lawn and taking care of his house for him all of these years. We don't know the context, but what we do know is a couple things. One, we know that they cared enough about each other to do two things. One is that, that they knew the needs that each other had, and they were willing to do something about it, which is exactly what Mike talked about last week. Do you see how all of these characteristics and values connect to each other? But the second thing is that not only did they care for each other, they shared the same faith. They believed that Jesus changes lives. If they didn't believe that, there's no point of them getting their friend onto his mat and carrying him all this distance, right? If, if when they got there, they saw the crowd and they saw the chaos, if, if they didn't believe in who Jesus was and what Jesus could do, if they didn't believe that this mattered to this man, they probably just would have turned around and gone back home. I said, we'll come back next day. We'll catch Jesus on his, on his next tour around. But, but they understood and they shared the same faith. They shared the same beliefs. So picture this. They get there. They show up. And the crowd is packed and they can't get anywhere near Jesus. Right? And no one's discovered crowd surfing yet. So they don't put him on top of the crowd and, and hope that he gets inside. They don't, trust, they don't trust this crowd. And so they come up with this idea. And if you've ever been around a group of guys before, you know it just takes one guy to turn a, a dumb idea into an incredible plan for the rest of them. And that's what happens here. I had a, a friend uh, that I did student ministry with um, for a long time, and uh, he was moving one day, and so he got a bunch of high school students to come help him move, and they were moving stuff, and they were up on the second floor and realized that the couch that they were trying to move wouldn't fit through the door. And so one of them came up with this incredible idea, well, we'll just lower it out the window. And so they sent Jason the freshman downstairs to be kind of the eyes to guide it and to, to just kind of guide the couch down. In their minds, this was a perfect plan. And so they got the couch into the window and they started moving it out a little bit further and a little bit further and they got about three quarters of the way out and they started to realize we can't just kind of lower the couch down. We're gonna have to get it all the way out before we can lower it down to Jason. They got about seven-eighths of the way out with the couch and all of a sudden they realized that they couldn't hold it anymore and they yelled down to Jason like, we can't hold it. And Jason, the freshman, being as brave as he could be, said, it's okay, I got it. And so they let it go. Jason got crushed, but the couch didn't have a scratch on it, and Doug's wife was totally thrilled about that, right? You get one guy with a dumb idea surrounded by a group of other guys, and they're like, this is a great idea, right? This is a plan. And so they decide, let's take him up on the roof, and we'll rip the roof apart, and we'll lower our friend right down in front of Jesus. And they do it. I love their creativity. I love that they're not worried about what other people will think. They get up there on the roof and they start pulling the, the twigs and the sticks and the mud and the thatch and they're pulling it all down. And, and you know that Jesus is inside, right? And Jesus is teaching and there's people and all of a sudden eyes are starting to look up because there's now a skylight that didn't exist a few minutes ago. Mud is falling into Jesus' hair and, and beard, right? And everything stops. But these guys aren't worried about what other people think. I have a feeling that maybe this is the first time that Jesus' name was ever used in vain, probably by Peter, right? Because all of a sudden his roof is being destroyed right in front of him. 
I love that these guys care so much about their friend that they're willing to do whatever it takes to get him to Jesus. The second thing that we see in this story is, is their faith, right? These guys believe the same thing. They believe that Jesus can heal their friend, and I love that their faith is strengthened through their relationships together. Because I wonder how many people showed up. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I wonder how many people showed up, right? Individuals that walked up and they saw the crowd and they were like, nope, not going to do it, right? I'll, I'll try and catch him later and turned around and went home. But when these guys showed up because of their faith, because of their relationships together, their faith was strengthened, right? They weren't going to bail. They weren't going to turn around and go back home. They connected intentionally because they knew that their friend desperately needed to get into the presence of Jesus. Here's my observation from this story. So you can be part of the crowd and you can watch or you can connect intentionally with others and you can experience a depth of change, a depth of relationship with Jesus that, that will blow everything else away. You see, there's a crowd there, and the crowd's watching. They're hearing great teaching from Jesus. And then they saw the relationships of these five friends. They saw their faith being lived out in front of them. They saw a miracle of Jesus not only forgiving his sins, but, but healing him of his paralysis. And it says in verse 12 that they were amazed. They had never seen anything like this before. But all they did was watch. But in this story, there's five guys who experienced something, I think, far more powerful than the crowd that was standing there watching. You see, these five guys loved each other enough to carry their friend to Jesus, enough to take him up on the roof and dig a hole and lower him in front of Jesus so that, that he could meet Jesus. They, they shared in each other's significance. They recognized the value and the worth of their relationships and of this encounter. They experienced recognition Right? Jesus looks up at them, and he says, because of their faith, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Not just the guy on the mat, but their faith together. They were supported, right? Because they supported each other. They were willing to do whatever it takes, and I guarantee their lives were never the same. Not just the guy that received the gift of being able to walk again, but for all five of them, their lives would never be the same. And they contributed they contributed because here we are over 2,000 years later, still reading this story and still talking about the incredible faith, the incredible depth of these intentional connections, these incredible relationships that happen in front of us. See, you can be part of the crowd and you can watch, and there's a lot of value in that, and we need that, right? This environment is very, very important for all of us to come and to celebrate and to worship together. We need this, but... If we miss the, the intentional connections, if we miss doing life together with a smaller group of people, we're missing a depth of understanding and a depth of relationship with Jesus that we can't find here on the weekend. You see, when, when this church was started, and a few years ago especially, we realized and decided that we're not content with people simply attending. This isn't a church that, that's, that's, that's what matters most is attendance or, or how much money that, that comes in. We're not concerned about those things. What we're concerned about as a church is that we do the things that the Bible tells us to do. And here's what we know. 
that no matter how great of a communicator Mike is, and, and he is, he'll make us laugh, he'll make us cry, he'll insult all Tar Heel fans at the same time. I mean, he's the total package in that. And no matter how compelling he is, what makes a difference in our lives is not what happens here. It's what we do with what happens here Monday through Friday. That's what makes a difference in our lives. And here's what we believe. What drives our behavior are the people that we do life with. The people in your community, the, the, the students that you go to school with, the people that you're at work with, your neighbors, whatever it is, your friends, they're the ones that, that drive this behavior in our lives. If you're a parent, you know this. Because if you have kids, you're always concerned about who your kids are hanging out with. And no matter how many times you say things and no matter how often they attend, you know that their friends will always influence the quality and direction of their lives. It's true for all of us. And so for us, one of the primary ways that we believe people grow to become more and more like Jesus is through a thing we call small groups. And what our desire is, is for every single one of us once a week or at least three times a month to be connected intentionally with a group of people where you're praying together, you're doing life together, you're asking questions together, you're learning from the, from the Bible together and, and applying it to your lives, you're serving each other and you're serving the people around you in your community because what happens in small groups is far closer to doing than what happens here in this environment. We believe that we only do consistently the things that we're held accountable to. It's true in our lives, isn't it? I mean, we, we all want to exercise, but it really isn't until we get a, a trainer where we have that accountability that we start to do it, right? We want to go running, but it isn't until usually we have a running partner that holds us accountable that we get up early in the mornings to go do it. We want to eat healthy, but it really usually isn't until we connect with something like Weight Watchers or something that will provide that accountability for us because we all need that in our lives. But here's the trap that happens here at this church. You see, most of us have never been in a church like this before. I didn't grow up in a church like this. And so for most of us, the trap that we can easily fall into is this, is that we show up at this incredible church and it's got incredible teaching and it's got incredible music, right? And, and the energy and the environment is amazing. Our children's ministry is incredible. The, the student ministries, it, it's, it's unbelievable, right? We've got all of these things. And, and for many of us, it's real easy for us just to go, wow, I get so much more out of church now than I ever did growing up. And sometimes the trap is that we can think that this is enough, but it's not. See, our concern for you, and, and, I, and I honestly believe that it's your concern for you too, is that we don't want you just to show up and be inspired, but we want you to take what you hear here and we want it to go out and impact the way that you live your life every single day. And for that, we need intentional relationships in our lives. A community of men or women or students, people that are wrestling with the same temptations, people that are dealing with heartaches and heartbreaks just like we are, people who get the reality of how difficult it is at times to do this whole following Jesus thing, especially in a culture that doesn't understand or, or value the things that we value. We need those relationships. We need those people around us. And so beginning in Kid City with our children, right, 
and right through to middle school in our MSM program. It's happening at all of our campuses right now for our high school students in homes during the week based on the schools that they go to, for all of our college students, singles, couples. We have done everything that we can do to make it easy and practical for people to get into small groups. See, small groups have been foundational for my family. When I was a student ministry pastor, we would have um, about 50 high school students from the Apex area every single week that would show up at our home. And they would eat most of our food, and then they would have a, a large group time together where they would learn and share with each other. They would break into small groups and have some specific discussion there. And, and then when those were done, they would come back and destroy any food that was left over. Um, and it was awesome. It was awesome for two reasons. Um, one is because we saw the value of life change happen in those small groups. The second is because our son, who was in elementary school at the time and then later on in middle school, he wasn't a part of it, but he was at our home. He was at our home every single Wednesday night when these kids would show up, and, and he felt it every Thursday morning when there's nothing for him to eat at breakfast, but, but he saw it lived out in front of him. And this year, he's a freshman in high school, and guess what he does every single Wednesday night? He goes to a small group. He's connecting intentionally with a group of people that go to his school, guys that he can do life with, because that's what he knows. You see, today we want to make it easy for you. We want you to get connected to a group of six to 12 people, maybe from your community, from your neighborhood, maybe even people that live right on your street. How cool would that be? Right, or, or maybe moving out into your high school, or maybe people that you work out with, or, or some coworkers, maybe just a group of friends. But we want you to take some of your precious time, and we understand that it's, it's your most valuable asset. And we want you to connect with other people and begin to do life with them. Begin asking the difficult questions and praying together and doing life together and holding each other accountable as you journey through things together. And so here's what we're gonna do in just a minute at each of our campus. We're gonna tell you how you can join a small group and how you can begin to have your life radically changed. Because this has the potential to change your life. See, your spiritual health is in the balance. And not just your spiritual health, but the spiritual health of your family as well. If you have kids, how incredible would it be for them to watch your example for years and know that the best way for them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ is in a group with other people that believe the same thing? And if you don't have kids yet, how awesome will that be for them to only know that what my family did is that they did this small group thing. They did life together. They helped each other, and they served together, and they prayed with each other, and, and that's just what we do. So the spiritual health of your family is at stake with all of this. We want everyone connected. Because this has been a crazy weekend with the weather. What if, just making up something, but what if this church was to, to wash away? This weekend, um, the reason I'm speaking is because Pastor Mike is teaching at, at Ship of Zion and uh, one of our Raleigh campuses, and, and it feels like the safest place to be this weekend is any place with the name Ship in it, right? Um, but imagine if this building was to, to wash away. Here's what I know would happen. If you're in a small group, church would continue to happen. Because next week you would show up at somebody's home and you would pray together and you would read the Bible together and you would discuss it and you would figure out how to apply it to your lives and you would help each other and serve each other and you would meet the needs of the people in your community. But if you're not in a small group and this building was to wash away, I don't know what there is for you. 
Hopefully you could connect maybe with a waitress at, at IHOP next Sunday morning or Saturday night, right? But, but, but that's all there would be if you're not connected in those deeper relationships. Imagine what this could look like in our family. Imagine what this could look like for our church. You see, what I love about Bethany's story is that because of her small group loving her, she started small groups for single moms to reach back in and to impact the lives of people around her. Well, a few weeks ago, one of our North Raleigh small groups had this incredible idea. And they said, as a small group, we want to get together and we want to help some of the other small groups in our area, part of our church. And so they came together and they showed the power of people caring for each other like these five guys did. They came together and through their relationships, they grew in their faith just like these five guys did. And they, through their act, impacted the lives of people around them. Check out this video. You know, I look around at this place that we live in and it's so beautiful and I feel so blessed and am so grateful to God for, you know, letting us to enjoy it. So we've been listening to the messages at church and really wanting to help. Out of the blue, I just sent an email and said, hi, I don't know where to start with this, but this is my idea. Do you have a single mother's group? And it just seemed like single mothers were somebody that we can actually give to and they do so much. They wrote us back with very enthusiastically saying, yes, we do, and uh, it kind of snowballed from there, actually. This is a wonderful day. It means so much to feel like I had this tiny little idea that just came out of the blue and was given to me. I'm learning that we're put here to help other people and to accept the help that others offer. Seeing it executed in this amazing way and seeing the smiles and the laughter and all of the, the things that are given to us and it, this is the, the best day that I think I've had all summer. 